fishing for men Surrounded by sin, but ain't taking part I talk about Jesus, all the Christians love me I walk like Jesus, now they wanna judge me Ain't it funny? Yeah. I'm ducking stones thrown from the Pharisees Gospel of peace upon my feet like the paracletes Walking with the paraclete that's Greek for this Amen, good morning! All right, who's ready this morning? Come on. Come on, who's ready? We had a good time. We went in on worship, and now it's just time to get in his face in the word. Amen? Amen. All right, you're nice and comfortable. Everybody's good. Everybody find a place. All right, now stand up. Come on, let's stand up for the reading of the word. If we could just have a, just a real still reverence for the reading of God's word, and then after that you can wild out and do whatever you want. Amen? Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O oh Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the, the light become night around me, even in the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost beings. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Amen, 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 amen. Father, we just thank you, God, that you know us so well, God. We, we thank you that you know us, that you love us, God, that you accept us, that you receive us right now, God. I thank you, Lord, that despite who I am, despite, in spite of who we are here listening, God, that you can use us, that you can speak through us, Lord God, and that you can touch us in a special, in a deep way. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> amen. You may be seated. Isn't it amazing, overwhelming, it's just incredible that God knows us the way he does. Thank you, man. Have you ever kind of reflected on that, that God knows us more than anybody? He knows us better than we know ourselves. Isn't it amazing that we serve a God that's infinite, that's everywhere, that's omniscient, that could be everywhere and is everywhere at all times and still knows me, still knows you. Matthew 6 says he knows what we need before we ask him. Luke 12 said the very hairs on our head are numbered by him. I know for some of you that's not amazing. But, but, but look at others of us and just know, man, God is good. Amen? 
Even that head, he has all the hairs numbered. It's incredible the way God knows us. Isaiah 49 says, he's, He has my name inscribed in the palm of his hand. I don't know how you religious folk that are all against tattoos deal with that. But Jesus got my name on his hand. Alright, that's for another message. <laughs> Jeremiah 1 says, Before I was formed in my mother's womb, you knew me. God knows us. Amen. Can you just tell somebody God knows us? Listen, there's a concept that I introduced to the church back in 2007. It was right back at the beginning. It's a concept that I'm still growing into and still trying to develop in this church community. It was from a book that I read back then titled Risking Church. And, and the concept and really what has become the heart of this church is to create a community where we can be fully known and still be accepted. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that what the church is called to be? To be fully known, a place where we can be fully known. That means you come in here and you don't have to fake the funk. You could just walk in, how you doing brother? I ain't doing too well, but I'm, I'm here man, praise God, amen? Instead of the fake, hermano, I'm blessed, hallelujah, glory, gloria, señor, santo, you know, when you know you're not feeling none of that, you know? A place where we can just be fully known and still accepted. That's, that's church, amen? Tim Keller says this, the power of the gospel is two things. Number one, it is that I am more sinful and flawed than I ever dared believe. And two, that I'm more accepted and loved than I ever dared hope. Amen? That's the grace that I wanted to explore. And we, we started this series last week because I really felt on my heart for this season to challenge what we've heard in the past and to challenge what we've heard about God, about church, and in particular about this grace thing. And so I, I wanted us, as we journey through the scriptures, I wanted us to just journey through passages of scriptures and just find grace as it happens. Amen? So each week, I'm just going to go in and tell you a full story. I just want to pick a passage out the Word and, and tell you the full story. Not, not a bunch of scriptures that sound good together, not a, a t-shirt scripture, not a Facebook status scripture. Not a word study, or, but just a passage of scripture that we would kind of go through it real quick and find grace as it happens in that story. Amen? So the series is Forget What You Heard. The title for today is Like It Never Happened. Like It Never Happened. All right, so Forget What You Heard, story number two. If you have your words with you, you can open up to Jonah 1. Jonah's in the Old Testament, so if you, I mean, I don't think anybody carries Bibles anymore. Do we have, if you have a Bible, would you hold it up? Hallelujah, there's 10 churches in this, 10, 10 Bibles in this church. If you have a Bible app that you have open for real, can you hold it up? Oh, amen, 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 amen. I saw Pinterest on somebody's screen when you held it up. That wasn't an app. That's not the Bible app. So it's Jonah 1. Now, Jonah, let me set this up. Jonah is one of those passages that I hate what the church have, has done with it. It's like the Noah's Ark story. Remember how I ruined that for some of you a while back? We take these passages, we take these, these stories from the Word, and we make them children's stories. 
right? Noah's Ark is about a, a time when all of mankind was killed in a flood. That's not a feel-good children's story. Jonah, we, we've taken the story of Jonah and we made it Jonah and the whale. We make a VeggieTale cartoon about it and it's all cute and it's a fun story. Jonah is not a cute, fun kid story. Amen? We automatically think about the big fish that swallowed Jonah. Let me tell you today, the story is much bigger than Jonah and a whale. Say amen. It's a story of disobedience, stubborn rebellion, running from God, putting others' safety in danger. It's a, study, it's a story of total disobedience and rebellion. How many want to teach your kids that? No, right? They do very well on their own with that stuff. It's not a kid's story. So, okay. Forget what you heard. Let's take a fresh look. Amen? Jonah 1. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So God tells Jonah, Arise and go to Nineveh. We, we learn later on that Jonah was a prophet with an incredible anointing on his life. We'll understand that later. So God says, arise and go to Nineveh and prophesy against these people. Verse 3, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish. And so he paid the fare and he went on board to go with them away from the presence of God. So right away, right in the beginning, we see that this is, story of Jonah is not about a big fish. It's about a big chicken. I got your attention? Jonah was scared to go to Nineveh. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. So, so it's a story of someone that God has created and equipped to do something who sets out to do something totally different. Can anybody here relate to that? There got to be more than three people, otherwise I'm preaching the wrong message at the wrong church today. Can anybody relate to knowing that God has called us to do something? Knowing that God has called us to be a certain way? Knowing that God has called us and equipped us to be something and we're totally something different? Yes, can we? Can we? All right, amen. Otherwise, I was going to wrap it up and go to another message. So God says to Jonah, go to Nineveh. And now you have to understand, that's like calling a little white boy from Ohio with glasses, braces, a lisp, and a limp to go minister in the South Bronx. But not even the South Bronx now. The South Bronx back in the 70s. How many of you remember the South Bronx when it was abandoned buildings and burning cars everywhere? Right? I grew up in the city, so I, I wasn't about that. I only knew the Bronx from the movies. The bro Every time we drove through, there was a car on fire. There was an abandoned building. I said, I, I, that's a God-forsaken land, the Bronx. I don't ever... When I met my wife and she told me she was from the Bronx, I, I thought under my breath, this ain't going to work out. <laughs> I grew up in money-making Manhattan. I ain't trying to... But anyway, we know how that worked out, right? For extra credit, let's look in the book of Nahum that describes... This people of Nineveh. 
If you look at Nah in, in Nahum 1, it says, Woe to the bloody city, all full of lies and plunder, no end to the prey, the crack of the whip, the rumble of the wheel, galloping horse and bounding chariot, horsemen charging, flashing sword and glittering spear, hosts of slain, heaps of corpse, dead bodies without end. They stumble over the bodies. And for all of the countless whoring of the prostitute, grateful and of deadly charms, who betrays nations with her whoring and people with her charm. Sounds like a really fun place to minister, amen? So, so Nineveh is a rough place. God says, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah says, not this ninja, no way. He goes down to the ports. He jumps to the port authority. He jumps on a bus. He takes a bus to a train. He takes the train to the shipyards. He gets to the shipyards and the shipyards. He said, what boat is going the farthest away from, from Nineveh? And they said, there's this boat that's going to Tarshish. It's going to the, understand, back then they thought the earth was flat, remember? So they believed Tarshish was at the other end of the square. He said, I'm taking that boat to Tarshish. Because God said, go east, I'm going to make sure that I'm west, all the way west. If God said, go north, I'm going to make sure I'm totally at the south end. So he gets on there and he goes. <coughs> it was the total opposite direction. He said, just take me anywhere but Nineveh. He pays the fare. It had to be a tremendous amount of money. He just picked up his life and left to go to a total far-off country, away from the will of God, out of the presence of God. He's thinking, amen? Have you ever gone that far from God? Come on. Let's not be religious anymore. Let's, let's, let's be real, amen? Have you ever gone that far from God on purpose? You ever, on purpose, like knowing, man, I knew this is what you want me to do. I know you want me to be this and you want me to be that. But, and you go that far from God on purpose. Jonah bought a ticket to nowhere and he got on board. Verse 4. But the Lord sent a storm, a great wind that threatened to break up the ship. Why do you think we always see God sending storms? I believe, personally, it's because God will use everything and anything available to Him to get our attention. Amen? And so, you know, if, if it was me, I'd, I'd use the little things that I have to get your attention. Since it's God and the world is His iPad, He could just say, you know, storm. And so, I mean, you know, He could just use anything to get our attention. Listen, sometimes we're praying to God to remove the storm from our lives, and He's the one that sent them. Come on, we're going to go in. Amen? Sometimes we're praying God and we're coming against the devil and we're coming against the wiles of the enemy and we're coming against Lucifer and coming against Satan and we're calling him every name. You're the liar, the deceiver. I, I rebu we're rebuking and being all religious and holy. And God says, shut up. I sent that storm. I'm glad I got your attention now, though. Are you talking to the wrong person, though? <laughs> Amen? If you get any insight from the Word of God here, instead of asking God to remove the storm, whenever you find yourself in the middle of a storm, ask God, God, whose attention are you trying to get? So the storm hits the ship. 
And so the men, they were good sailors, man. They did, this is what they do. This is a long-term ship. So, so you can imagine these were the best sailors. These were the people that knew how to get a boat from here to the farthest point. And so they were good. They were skilled. And it says they started doing everything that they knew to do. They threw off the extra cargo. They lightened the load. They battened the hatches. They pulled the reins. And you, know, you know, whatever that sailor talk is, right? They, they, they did everything they knew to do in the natural. When that did not work. They started praying to every God they knew. How many of you been there? Come on, before, before Jesus' times, right? You tried everything in the natural to get things happen. You tried everything in the natural to work things out. When that stuff didn't work out, what'd you do? You start buying candles to the saints in the bodega. You light saints. You light candles. You're on the Psychic Friends Network. You're talking to Cleo. He's like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're discussing with psychic. You just want some kind of help from somebody, amen? So you can imagine they're praying to every God they know. These are probably people from all different parts of, of culture and world, so they all worship different gods. They start praying to every God in the book, and they're praying and calling out God and doing whatever it is that however they worship their gods. Everybody's wilding out, praying and running around the ship. Jonah, the word tells us, had gone down to the lower section of the boat and he was asleep. Why was Jonah sleeping? That's a great question. Because isn't that what sleeping Christians do when they're running from God? Why was Jonah sleeping? Because isn't that what sleeping Christians do when they're overwhelmed with life? Why was Jonah sleeping? Well, maybe because it was a Wednesday night prayer going up on the deck. And isn't that what sleeping Christians do when, when they want to stay away from that kind of stuff? Can I go in a minute? We see about 300 people here on a Sunday. And, and, and do you know, sometimes more, sometimes less, and do you know that this, this body is carried and covered by about 25 people that show up on Wednesday night prayer? Can, can I, do I have to tell you that this shouldn't be? Amen? Let me tell you something real quick. When we started this church, we, we didn't, and I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip, but just please just hear my heart for a minute. When we started this church, we decided we're going to do Wednesday night prayer because that's kind of what people are used to, but we're not going to do Wednesday. And, and we went back and forth and we said, we're not going to do prayer every week. Did we think, why? Because prayer is not important? No. But we wanted to make sure that if we were going to be about building families, we didn't want the leaders and, and the people in the church to be out every night of the week. So we don't want people to be out Wednesday night prayer and Tuesday night Bible study and when Thursday night worship practice and Friday night youth for young adults. And we didn't want that. So we said, you know what? We'll make it special and we'll have prayer every other week, only twice a month, so that we can concentrate, so that we can have time with our families and not be burnt out. You know, when many of us came from churches where all the leadership was burnt out, man. And when leaders get burnt out, leaders get cranky, right? When leaders get burnt out, leaders get stressed out. Leaders start barking, leaders start being religious, leaders start being, it's just not a good place to be, amen? And so we said, we're going to have prayer every other week so that we can just have a special time twice a month where the leadership and the members of this church can come and pray together because it matters, because it's necessary, amen? So this Wednesday night is what? Amen. Thank you. Let's go back to the message. Sorry for that interruption. So why was Jonah sleeping during the storm? Because he was trying to avoid the storm that's going on in his head. 
See, too often we find ourselves in the middle of our storms and we hit the snooze button to try to stay asleep a little longer. The captain goes down, the captain finds, because the captain is in charge of the ship, and the captain sees everybody else is praying, everybody else is trying to intercede to some God to get something to happen, to bring some kind of relief, because the ship is falling apart right now. It's about to go down. The captain finds one person downstairs. He goes down to Jonah, and he says, Arise, sleeper! Call out to your God. Perhaps that God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Jonah was asleep amidst all the confusion. Look, this is a quote from Spurgeon. It says, so Jonah was asleep amid all the confusion and the noise. And oh, Christian man, for you to be indifferent to all that is going on in such a world as this, for you to be negligent of God's work in such a time as this, is just as strange. The devil alone is making noise enough to wake all the Jonas if they only want to awake. All around us there is a storm, yet some professing Christians are able, like Jonah, to go to sleep in the sides of the ship. What a tragic scene. Picture this scene. Everybody's running around the ship praying to God of the sun and the God of the moon and the God of the wind, the God of cockroaches, whatever they're praying to. The cow, the moon, the, the, you know, they, the bull, whatever. Everybody's praying to somebody. Everybody's praying. There's a prayer meeting going on. It might be an unholy prayer meeting, but it's a prayer meeting going on. Because people are in danger. They're, we're going to lose their life. You know, when you get in danger, when you get really scared, you start to pray. Amen? Atheists start to call out to God when you get scared enough. And so it, it's a tragic scene. Everybody's praying to gods who were nothing and can do nothing. And the one man on board that had a relationship with the creator of heaven and earth, he was sleeping. Church, let that never be said of us. Let it never be said of us. Think about it if you bring this into the, fast forward this into your life. Sometimes our jobs, our friends, are, are the situations that we find ourselves in there. We find ourselves in a sinking ship, man, where everybody's trying to look for answers and calling out and reaching out, and, and we have the answer and we are asleep. Amen? Let that never be said of us. So the sailors, what happens? The sailors cast lots to find out whose fault it is. That's something they did back then, right? The sailors, so they're playing rock, paper, scissors, you know, to see whose fault it is, and it turns out that Jonah loses. And so they attack him with questions. They say, who are you, man? Where are you from? What, what do you do? Why is this happening? And Jonah confesses. He says, listen, I am a prophet. I serve the God of the Hebrews, the God of heaven and earth, who created everything. And they got more afraid. They say, wait a minute. If, if you serve that God, the one true God, and he, he has the power to do what he's doing, they got more scared. They say, what are we going to do with you if he's that mad at you and you're with us? And Jonah says, listen, it's simple. Throw me overboard. If you throw me overboard, the sea will calm down. He told him, relax, the storm is for me. Throw me overboard and the sea. You ever found yourself in the middle of a storm because of who you were with? Come on, man, I'm stepping on some relationships now. Do you know that some storms in your life, they weren't meant for you? You're battling and praying, but it's just the person that you're with. 
Eso duele. Ponle Bengue. Some storms in your life weren't meant for you, but all right, that's a whole other thing. So he says, throw me overboard, but they were scared. They're like, no, man, you serve the God of the creation, man. I'm not going to throw you. So they were scared. So they tried to get to safety. They started rowing again, and they started throwing things off, but that didn't work. So finally, they said, we're about to die. They picked that boy up. And it says that they asked for forgiveness. <laughs> it's like, read your word, Jonah. It says, God, forgive us. For what we about to do, don't hold it against us. But, you know, we love, you know, we, we whatever, whatever. Whew, and they threw him overboard. They said, goodbye. <coughs> the second that boy hit the water, the storm stopped. Can you imagine? As soon as they do what the prophet tells them to do, as soon as they walk in obedience, the storm stops. Verse 16, it says, And then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows. Most scholars and biblical commentators will believe that every one of those sailors now got saved. Amen? Because it's one thing to make vows when you're in the middle of the storm. How many of you have done that? God, I promise I'll never drink again. God, I promise if, if she's not pregnant, I promise this will stop. We'll never do that again. God, I promise, right? You'll make a tons of vows when you're in the storm. But when the storm is over, that's usually when you say, Yo, God, you know, I didn't really mean like never. <laughs> I just meant that I'd be a little more careful where, you know, I, I didn't. That's when you start negotiating the vows that you made in the storm. But these people made vows after the storm is over. This, this is showing some real, some realness, right? They really, they had enough fear and they understood and said, God, you are the God. You are the creator. You control the storms. You control the wind and the rain. And, the, and, and, and so they, they got saved. Amen. I love that God doesn't waste any of our experiences. Even in our storms, God is dealing with people's hearts and saving them. Even in our disobedience, God is working things for good. Isn't that awesome? Even in our disobedience, God, God says, listen, because my call is on your life, even when you're running from me, wherever you go, I'm going to use you. Oh, so that, that had to hurt somebody sitting here today. Even if you're running from me, even if you're hiding, even if you're ducking, even if you're ducking and jiving and trying to stay out of the, 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 the light, even in, even in your disobedience, because my call is on your life, I'm going to use you. You know why? Because it's not about you. Tell somebody, it's not about you, man. Now understand, that doesn't excuse our disobedience. It just demonstrates the power and the goodness of God. And then here's the part some of you might struggle with. Verse 17, it says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. As soon as he hit the ground, they hit the water, storm stopped, God sends this killer fish. Fish swallows up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, the word says. Now, it's funny to me, people have a, people have a hard time, they stop right here and they say, ah, and, and, they, and they disregard the whole story. It's funny to me that people have no problem with the supernatural storm that God sends. People have no problem that, that the, with the supernatural way the storm stops when, when, the, when Jonah's thrown in the water. But when God sends supernaturally a fish to swallow up Jonah, all of a sudden we go, all right, come on, come on, that's crazy. God, you can't do that. 
You could create storms and stop storms. You could hold back the rain. You could start the rain. You could turn on the light. You could turn off the light. But, but don't, you can't send a fish to eat a person. Really? Really? Is that like we're gonna, what we're going to struggle with? Now, the word doesn't even say that he was alive for three days. It just says that the fish swallowed him whole, and then from the inside of the fish, he prayed a short prayer. How many times have you found yourself in the center of a whole lot of trouble? And you decided this was a good time to pray. Right? And so Jonah had a near-death experience. He might have had a death-death experience. We don't know. A word doesn't tell us. All it tells us is that he prayed. He repented. He came to the Lord. And the Lord heard him. And after three days, God made the fish vomit him out on dry land alive. Alive. Now, you can wrestle if you want to with that, but I told you, this passage isn't about the fish. Here's the real miracle. Lean in, lean in. I'm almost done. Here's the real miracle in the story. I told you we're going to go through a story to find where grace happens in the story, right? There's a lot of grace happening, but here's, here's the part of the story that, that just defines grace for me, and, and I hope that it, it does for you too. After all that happens, after all that has gone down, he is now in another place of the world someplace, not where he should be. He's made, put people's lives in danger. He's messed up everybody that was on that ship to Tarshish. That was like a carnival cruise line heading to Tarshish. He ruined everybody's trip. Everybody's trip got ruined, right? They were, but, but praise God, they ended up Christians. They're saved now. But after all of this... He's on dry land now. He's shaking off the fish guts. He's cleaning himself up. Chapter 3, verse 1, it says, And then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, and call out against it the message that I tell you. And so Jonah arose, and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Why is that amazing? Come on, some of you got to be spiritual enough to catch that, amen? Why is that amazing? God hits reset. He starts at the beginning again, and he calls Jonah again. He doesn't put a guilt trip on him. He doesn't put shame on him. He doesn't say, because you were a loser. He doesn't say, because you didn't listen to me the first time. Because you messed up again. I'm gonna. He, does, he doesn't put any of that. It says, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. He says, okay, puppy. Let's go to Nineveh. Arise and go to Nineveh and speak out the prophecies again. And the word of the Lord comes to Jonah again. Come on. Can, can, can you, worship team, you guys can come. They might need some help understanding this grace thing. God comes to Noah. God comes to him again, speaks to Jonah again like it never happened. Isn't that amazing? Does that change your view of grace like it never happened? Like it never happened. He speaks to Jonah family. Listen to me. Whatever it is that you're really screwed up on, however long it's been, whatever you've done, whatever consequences have come from it, whatever things you're still struggling with because of it, However long it's been, this story, this passage shows us that when you turn to God, to Him, it's like it never happened. 
Can you just receive that this morning? The picture of grace in this passage is that when you repent, it's like it never happened to God. Now understand, in the natural, you might still have consequences. You did some crime, you might have to do some time. You owe, you might have to pay back. You ruin relationships with people, you're going to have to work that out. But when it comes to the love of God, when it comes to the grace of God, when it comes to being used by God, when it comes to being in right relationship before God, when it comes to Him, it's like it never happened. Can somebody say amen and just receive that? Can we just stand for a moment? Family, have somebody in here, have you been running from God? Let's just bow our heads for a minute. I don't want to embarrass anybody. Have you been running from God? And, 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 and some of you might even think about it and say, why are you asking that inside a church? That don't make any sense. But do you know that you can be in church every week and still be running from God? You could come to church every week. You could come to prayer. You could come to Bible study. You could come to discipleship. You could come to, to worship night, to baptism night. You could get dunked and, and, and still be hiding from God. Still be running from God. If that's you, can I just tell you, you can stop now. God just pulled your number in front of all these people. Have you been trying to avoid him? Have you been trying to hide from him? Can I tell you, right here in the Word, it tells us you can't. He knows you. He knows you. He knows the hair on your head. He knows the thoughts you think before you think them. He knows the words you're going to say before you say them. He knows your heart. He knows the real when you're putting out the fake. He knows that. So you can stop now. Have you been trying to hide from Him? You can't. The Word says wherever you decide to make your bed, God is there. Have you been sleeping when you should be stepping? Can I speak to your heart today and just say, Arise. Arise, sleeper. There's some of us in here, we need to accept a grace that loves you like it never happened. And some here need to accept that that's the grace we need to walk in with others. There's some of us that we can't be used by God because we haven't extended that grace because we're still dealing with unforgiveness because we're still dealing with bitterness because we want that grace that 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 god could deal with us and love us like it never happened but when when god calls us to extend it to a brother to a sister we can't do it and we refuse to do it can i tell you today god wants you to walk in that grace and to extend that grace I'll end with this quick little story that I, I read. It's probably a fictitious story, but it's a biblical truth, and it's the only reason I would share it. There was a lady in a small town who claimed that she had visitations from Jesus. 
And so the, the local bishop of that town said, wait a minute, she, he kept hearing about this lady who is having these visitations from Jesus. And so he says, I want to talk to her, bring her to me, the bishop says. And so they bring the lady to him and he says, listen, do you, do you, and she says, yes, I, I meet, Jesus comes and he meets with me and, and, and we talk. And he says, okay, so next time you talk to Jesus, I want you to ask him a question for me. Next time you talk to him, I want you to ask him, what were the sins that I confessed to him the night before? And she says, really? You want Jesus to tell me your sins? You want, you want Jesus to tell me those things that you confessed to him in private? And he says, yes, yes. Let him tell you those things. You ask him that. And so she says, I will. And so she goes and she, the time comes, she has a visitation from Jesus and she meets with him and she talks to him and she goes back to the bishop the next day. And the bishop says, what did Jesus say? Did you meet him? He says, yes, I, I, I was talking to him. He appeared to me and I was talking to him. And he said, did you ask him what I told you to ask him? And, and she says, yes, I asked him to tell me the sins that you confessed the night before. And, and the bishop is excited and the bishop says, what did he say? And she said, Jesus looked me in the eye and he says, I don't remember. I don't remember. We just bow our heads, Father. Father, we thank you, God. That when we come to you, God, it's like it never happened. I just pray that we can receive that grace today. I just pray that we can walk in that grace today, God. Help us, God, to, to be changed by this word, to be rocked by your word, Lord God. To be transformed in knowing, God, that you don't hold the record of wrongs against us. Father, we love you, Lord God, and we come to you this morning. somebody needed to hear that today I just need you to step out I just need you to step out and be bold I just need you to step out and come forward I just need you to step out break break a pattern break the, the norm you probably if you've been here if that's you you've probably been here and you've never seen the front of this because you've never stepped out I challenge you today to step out I challenge you today to come forward I challenge you today to change some things say God Thank you, God. I'm coming to you right now, Lord God, so that you can reset. So that I can stand before you, God, like it never happened. <coughs> I want you to know I feel in my heart God is, God is resetting some calls to ministry. God is resetting some promises. He's, he's, he's bringing to life some dreams. You might be up here and say, man, it's been too much time. I've wasted too much time. It's been too long. I've done too much. God and the word of the Lord came to Jonah again. And I believe the word of the Lord is coming to you again. And I believe God is speaking to you again those things that he's called you to do, those things that he's put on your heart. And I believe the word of the Lord is coming again. Yes. And family, can we just surround them? Can I have the prayer team, the ministry team? Would you guys come and just surround those that are here? Hallelujah. As we just worship together, as we pray. Yes. Hallelujah.
the side of the road to hear you speak I won't let go I fall to my knees as I lift my hands to pray I got every reason to be here again the Father's love that draws me in and all my eyes want to see is a glimpse of you come on all I There's blessing. 
there's breakthrough, there's prosperity. But you got to make the decision. Some of you right now, you're in the belly of that whale, of that big fish. Some of you are feeling hopeless today. You're feeling trapped. And all God is waiting for you to say is, God, here I am. If that's you, we'll just you just you don't have to come up here, but will you just lift up a hand to God right now and say, God, here I am. Use me, God. And in Jesus' name, I speak restoration over that dream, over the vision that God has given you. In the name of Jesus, I decree that you are coming out right now from the belly of that fish you're coming out of hopelessness despair depression it has no more power to torment you in jesus name father for all today we just wipe away we wipe away the past every sin you see, there's nothing standing between you and God right now. Everything that he had against you, every failure, every sin, I don't care how far you fell. The Lord just showed me there's, there's at least one person here, and you used to be a minister, and you have fallen from grace, and God wants you to know that Coming back to you, Lord. Can we close? Just raise, just wave your hand, say, God, I'm ready, God. Whatever you need me to do. The Bible says you can lift up holy hands. Maybe you've hurt people with your hands. Maybe you've stolen. Because of the grace of God, you've been made clean, washed, holy, white as snow. So you can lift up a holy hand. Will you just get that in your head right now? That you have been made holy. You are not dirty anymore. You are not forsaken. We bless you, Lord. That's a God that I want to worship. It's because of His grace. It's because of His love that we can worship Him. Otherwise, we wouldn't stand a chance. So let's just close by worshiping Him. In fact, let's change the atmosphere. Can we put that song back on? The atmosphere is too dead in here. How many of you want to end by coming alive? God is ending that season of death, that season of mourning in your life. All the regret, let's put it away. How many of you are ready to get excited? Come on. Come on, let's get excited. About